Welcome to Nine Point Started With A Dream Podcast. Our goal is to showcase the stories of athletes and the community that supports them by being authentic about their journey. Here's your host, Jacoby Gillum. Yo, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host as always, Jacoby Gillum. This episode, we go to the UK with Henry Weir. And Henry is an Olympian. He's a field hockey player. And he shares his journey. But with the journey, I came to realize that a lot of it came down, came down to his mindset you know, that athlete mindset and kind of how he uses it to find leverage in situations when it comes to his game. You know, he said he was never the fastest or the strongest, but he just said, you know, I'm going to be a student of my craft. That is something that we can all do, you know, with our business, sports, life, where it may be, let's be always learning. So great story here, great journey, and let's get to it. So Henry, the question that everyone that comes on is, when you were younger as an athlete, what was one of your biggest dreams and goals you wanted to achieve? If I'm honest, when I was younger, sort of international sport was never a huge goal of mine. I played hockey because I loved it and I loved playing with my team and I enjoyed it and it sort of stopped there for me. I didn't think too hard on much more than that. I got to spend time with my dad and I got to play with my team and I had a great time and that was my main motivation when I was younger. So like come from, you know, the, the US, field hockey isn't it isn't our first choice, right? So, so over in the UK, how did you, I guess, stumble upon it? Was, was it almost just like the first sport you picked up or how did that work for you? When I was younger, I played loads of sports. I was one of those kids that I would try everything and wanted to try everything. Hockey is, field hockey is quite a big sport in Europe. So there are professional leagues across Europe and a big international calendar. So we have a, an international team here and we're, we're centrally funded to train for the Olympics. So I'm a member of that. But other than that, I play for a, a professional team and um, we play in the English Premier League and compete across Europe. So, yeah, it's a big sport in Europe. But back to your question, I would say that picking hockey was mainly for me about the team I played with and the club environment. I did lots of individual sports. Um, I used to do judo when I was young and I was good at that. I was a national champion when I was younger at judo when I was sort of 14. And I took a few big losses and I just, I remembered the feeling of those losses and they really, really hurt my pride. They hurt my ego. And I found myself feeling those things alone. And I was also playing hockey at the time. And I just, I always felt that with team sports, when you win, it's just so much better. You get to share those experiences with your friends. And when you lose, you've got them to put their arm around you and say, you know, it's not that bad. We'll live to fight again tomorrow. So that's what brought me to team sports, I think. With regards to hockey in particular, my dad played. And some of my fondest memories sort of growing up with my dad were me and him on the way to away matches with the team or me and him on the training field together. So I think that was a big part of it, that um, a lot of my real fond memories of me and my dad were with hockey. That's awesome. You said that, like just the whole judo was, so, was, was very individualized. So it was like your losses, you took him alone when you took them alone but with hockey it became a camaraderie yeah right. it was a shared experience and i think that's what drives me one of the things that drives me is the the camaraderie and shared experiences i want to be a part of a cohesive group who are all going after the same goal together and for me that's real gold for me and um sort of sacrificing myself for the team that really drives me and that's the type of thing that sort of uh, lights my fire so when it came to hockey when did it become just you know I enjoy doing it with the team to like I want to be great at this 
that's a difficult one. It was definitely a gradual progression. I remember when I was younger, enjoying it because I was really good at it in the circle of players that I was in. But I definitely took a few knockbacks early on. I didn't get into the international team at junior level. I went to a few trials and didn't succeed. And I think through that period, I decided I wanted to play hockey because I was enjoying it. And I could definitely make a career out of it, but not necessarily be one of the best. And I chose a university that I knew had great sports program and a great hockey team. And somewhere along the line at university, I took that real step into just being a very good team player to being one of the best players and, and having the potential to go somewhere. I think it was one of my coaches, John Bleeby, actually said to me um, over a pint, actually, um, <laughs> in the student union, he said, um, out of our teammates, who do you think could make it? And I listed two or three guys. We had a really good team back then, a lot of junior international players. And he said to me, no, I, I think if anyone's going to make it here and anyone's going to push on to be an international athlete and to, to go to the Olympics, it, it's going to be you. And I remember that that took me back a little bit. And I was like, wow, okay. Because I was quite junior in the team at that time. But I'd been with him uh, and at Loughborough, uh, with him and David Ralph for a year. And I think I, I progressed rapidly over that first year. And I think he said it because he saw that I'd, I'd really pushed on in that year. And, and I was on a real upward trajectory. And, um, and yeah, that took me back. And I think it was then. I think it was that moment. I was like, wow someone with a lot of experience and someone who's been to an Olympics themselves thinks that I've, I've got what it takes. And um, sort of from then on, it, it became, this could be a career. This could be sort of my life's work. This could be something that really drives me and, and it, it could be more than a hobby. And uh, yeah, it was, I think it was that moment. That's awesome. Over, over paint. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> all, all the best decisions and thoughts are over a pint, I find. Exactly. So, so I know a lot of us sometimes we kind of face, we have these ambition and we have these dreams, but sometimes we have, we kind of lack the internal belief sometimes. So mm-hmm. for you, did that kind of eliminate all doubt that you could do it or was there, was there still sometimes doubt that like, man, can I actually do this? Oh yeah. I think I can't speak for everyone, but I think as a, as an athlete, as an international athlete, especially in the system that I'm in, you live with doubt. Like you doubt yourself every day in the program that I'm in, we are, we're sort of assessed and evaluated constantly sort of 24 seven. You're compared to your peers, your teammates and the opposition. So yeah, there's always doubt there. There's doubt creeps in every day. I think it's how you deal with the doubt that sort of separates you from the rest. It's can you take that doubt and still go out there and be confident enough to give your best effort and be confident enough to, to try things that maybe other people wouldn't. But yeah, doubt is, in my worst times, doubt takes over. In my best times, doubt is a, a tiny voice at the back of your head. Mm-hmm. It's still there, but it's a tiny voice that you can quiet. On the best days where you kind of quiet a little bit, how do you do it? I think I go back to sort of the fundamental facts that I know. And I think that's the best way to do it. It's that quiet voice, that doubting voice. It's normally there and says, what if this happens? Or you might be bad at this, or you could be bad at this, or I'm not sure you can do that. But it's never factual. And I think if you as an athlete, you as a human, go back to the things that you know, the things that are factual. I have done this before. I can perform at this level before. I have won in this situation before. I can do this skill. I can score that goal. I can make that tackle because I've done it before. You go back to those factual things and you take inner confidence from those facts. I think that voice becomes quieter and quieter. It can't argue with those facts. That's good, man. 
Yeah. <laughs> it works most of the time. I, I love that. And I think people are going to hear they're going to really value that because like so you say, like, we, we kind of all have that voice sometimes. And sometimes it's louder than others. And it's like, how do we kind of just tell the shut up a little bit? You know, like, I got yeah. this. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not it's not trying to eliminate that voice because it'll always be there. We're mm-hmm. human beings. And it's just acknowledging that it's there. It's always going to be there, but it's it doesn't determine how you act. Yeah. So let's kind of go from that moment where, where he said, OK, Henry, I believe in you to go to be one to, to kind of go the furthest. How did you approach just that daily grind with trying to, you know, become your burden of greatness? You know, like whether like, what's that like, like what's that meant for you to kind of say? I want to take this up a notch. For me, it was, and you you described it as a daily grind. It is a daily grind. But I think for me, it was remembering that it's daily and every day is different and every day you need to keep pushing. I think too many people get stuck in the idea that they're on a path and they can't influence that path day to day. And you just get stuck in this flow, this slipstream that just takes you from one place to the next. And when you get to that next place, you realize you look back and you really haven't made the most of every single day along that journey. And I think that's the main thing. It was for me, it was recognizing that it is a daily grind. It's I wake up in the morning. How am I going to get better this today than I, than I was yesterday? I realized quite early on with him and with my coaches that I was never going to be the most talented player in the world. There are a lot of my teammates that can do things with the ball and on the ball that I can't do. But I always viewed it as I've got a lot of things in my arsenal that they can't do. My work rate, my ability to stay in a game and to be really present in every single moment is is huge for me. If I can outwork my opposite player, then that's great. And I'm going to win most battles there. I knew that very, very early on. And that's really helped me climb. From a learning point of view, I think becoming good at learning is the best thing anyone can do ever. Like learning is a skill. I think a lot of people think that experience comes with just doing something. Just doing something isn't enough to gain experience from anything. Experience comes from doing and then learning afterwards. And you learn by evaluating, like really becoming a student of whatever you're doing. Get into the nitty gritty. Find out what other people are doing, if they're doing it better. Can I replicate that? Can I steal that? What am I doing it better than other people? Is my technique lacking in a few areas? Becoming a real student of everything you do and learning quicker and faster than everyone else, I would say is the most important thing that anyone can do. I love that. And then it's almost, it's almost like your homework, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's not necessarily, it's not about learning a skill that I know that I can't do and someone else can. It's more about how you're going to be effective. There might be someone who can like five times out of 10 hit that top corner of the goal. There might be someone who can 10 times out of 10 hit that top corner in the goal. And I know I'm probably not ever going to be one of those players. So how does that affect my game? I decide to do something else. I might take the ball a different way and use a shot that I'm better at. It's about becoming effective. It's about not being that person. It's about being the best version of you and learning how to be the best version of you. I love that. Because like one of our biggest phrases is achieve your version of greatness. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So for you, you're, you're saying, I'm not going to try to be, be Johnny. I'm not going to try to be, you know, Mike over there because that's their game. I'm going to yeah. be what Henry does best. So whether Henry is the fastest guy to get to the ball or, he, or, he, or he's the hustle guy, X, Y, Z, you're like, I'm going to excel and being great at what I do. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, there, there's so many examples of that. And I think being effective is really sort of underrated in a lot, in a lot of sports, a lot of team sports, mm-hmm. because the highlight reels will show individual brilliance of one person. He takes on five players and then puts it in the top corner. And that probably happens one time in a hundred, but then you've got a few players who might make a pass there, get the ball back, make a pass there, get the ball back and then pass the ball into the side net. It's not going to make as many highlight reels because it's not as amazing, but is that replicable? Can you do that 80 times out of 100? Yes. And then who's the more effective player? And then it comes down to, it's like, when sports like that, that's, that's like a team thing. It's like, is it about me or is it about the team? So it's like, can my highlight reel be a detriment to trying to help the team win sometimes, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what are your goals? Are your goals to achieve with a team or are your goals to achieve on your own and, and be the best player in that team? And I think certainly with my sport, you, you don't succeed if uh, the latter is the case. So at what point did you kind of get that first taste of that international, you know, of like success and just, or just international, just thinking, wow, I'm on one of the biggest stages here with hockey? That's a really tough question, but probably... The World Cup two years before my first Olympics was in Holland and that was 2014 and uh, it was actually in a football stadium or a soccer stadium as you would call it over there. At the time we didn't have any big enough stadiums to host an event like that without building um, temporary stands. So they rolled a hockey pitch effectively and they built a hockey pitch in the middle of a football stadium and the crowd was absolutely unbelievable. It was huge bigger than anything I'd, I'd sort of experienced before and the interest around the World Cup was huge and there was sort of paparazzi everywhere as we walk into the events hockey's quite big in Holland it's a big mm-hmm. sport there and um, we played Holland in the semi-final in front of an absolutely packed out crowd you couldn't hear the person standing sort of 10-15 meters away from you because it was that noisy and I played in front of big crowds before but it felt special at a World Cup. It felt special. And we got to this, this semi-final against the home team. And it was just, it was sort of a pinch yourself moment where it was like, wow, this is the big stage. This is it. And this is what I want to do forever and for as long as I possibly can. How'd your heart beat on that, on that day? I mean, it was, it was tough. <laughs> it, it tested me. That doubting voice in the back of my head got loud a few times. But no, we actually played a really good game. They beat us very narrowly. But we sort of delivered our game plan. And at the time, Holland were, were a better team than us. We were always going in as underdogs. We played a really good game and pushed them really close. They only beat us by one goal. And um, we walked off proud and we put out a really good performance. But And again, I was happy with how I did. And I think that also sort of fueled the, I can do this and this is what I want to do. And this is amazing. And this is it. I'm on the biggest stage. Awesome. I, I don't imagine like walking in these kind of, you kind of just see, you know, kind of, I know like, like football is so huge overseas. And like, so I can, I can just imagine that stadium just being packed with people just in the color, just yelling and that whole yeah. environment just sucking that. I bet that's like the real feeling. Yeah. That's the word. It was surreal because I think hockey, we, we're not used to crowds that big. We get crowds that big at big international events and some of our events in Asia where there's a huge, huge fan base for hockey. But we're not used to sort of tens of thousands of fans. We're not used to that. And when that happens, it's like, wow, 
the intensity you can feel the energy in the air and um it's very hard to sort of stick to your methods to your sort of internal okay this is the game focus on the game the crowd's there use it don't let it distract you it's a lot harder yeah so say there's a kid right now lifting right back you know in in the uk that's like i want to be like henry right and they like what would you tell them and just like on how to i guess I don't know, I guess maybe like how to approach it or just, or, or just there's some advice that you would give them or, or give to like your younger self. My biggest bit of advice would be to just love what you do. And if you don't love what you do, then find something else. Because I think the worst thing I could have done as a kid would been to have pursued something that I didn't love like I did. The only reason I've got as far as I have in hockey is because I loved it. I had a passion for it. I enjoyed it. Most of the time I played with a smile on my face. And that means that even in the worst times or the bad times or where you lose, you take a knockback. You know you're doing it because you enjoy it. You love it. You're not doing it to win. You're not doing it to make money. You're doing it because you've got a passion for what you're doing. So the first thing would be find that thing that you have a passion for. It could be anything. It could be sport. It could be hockey. It could be something completely different. But find that. The thing that makes you smile and that you always do with a smile on your face, and then go after it. And sort of like I said before, be a student of it. Learn. Be the best learner in your field, because it's not about where you are now, especially to the sort of kids listening out there. It's not about where you are now. I was never the top of the pile, basically the whole way through my career. I kept going up a level, but starting at the bottom of that pack, going up another level, starting at the bottom of that pack, because I learned quicker than everyone else. So yeah, find that thing you're passionate about and then start to work becoming the best learner you can at it. And I like your mentality with it, you know, and I, I think it gives other athletes hope that they can make it because it's, it's like you were, you're not saying that you were born the most gifted. You weren't saying you're the, born the strongest or the fastest or you're just like, I'm going to outlearn you. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to find that opponent's weakness so I can exploit it to kind of make myself shine. In a yeah, way. absolutely. Yeah. And I, I mean, I remember, I can think now I've, can, I've got players running through my head for when I was sort of a teenager or even in my early twenties, like thinking I will never, I just can't do that. Like, how are they so good? How can they do that? And they were so much better than me. And when I think now, and I think where they've got to and where I've got to, like I've passed them like almost 10 times. And I remember having those thoughts thinking, I, I just don't know how they do that. And I will never be able to do that. But they are fleeting thoughts and they pass. And like I say, you can outlearn them, you can outwork them, and you will, um, you'll move past them if you want it, want it enough. Yeah, that's fire. So out of all the, you know, the moments that are they're good, there's always those moments that are bad. So for you, what was like a moment that just kind of just hit you that was like really tough in like your athletic journey? Oh, God, there's, there's been a few. <laughs> there's been a few. The toughest experience I've had as an athlete was the Olympics, the Rio Olympics for sure. We got knocked out in the group stages. I think we were ranked fourth at the time. So we had a pretty good shot at getting at least a medal match. And we tried our best. We tried our best, but the results didn't go our way. And we got knocked out in the group stages. And yeah, at that point, it felt like my world had just fallen apart. I, it was, it's very difficult to explain the grief that me and the team went through the olympics is built up by as as such a huge thing not only by us and and my team in terms of what we wanted to achieve 
but the world, the world suddenly sits up, becomes interested. The world becomes interested in hockey, which is unusual because <laughs> normally we have hockey fans, but we had world fans, we had national fans. And um, yeah, that was really tough. We felt that, like we gave it our all, but there were some fundamental mistakes we made. And coming back from that loss was hard. I had a really, really tough three or four months after that. I definitely wasn't sure that I wanted to keep playing hockey. In fact, I think I quit a few times and then took it up, quit again, took it up again in the sort of few months post that. That was really, really difficult. I think the reason that I kept playing was that fundamentally I went back to the reasons why I played in the first place. And they were to enjoy myself day to day. And I love playing hockey and I love playing with my team and to make my friends and family proud because I feel like it's something they value and I value. And those things together just just sort of woke me up from that sort of depression and shame that I was in afterwards. And they were like, you know what? It's You lost a hockey match. It's not the end of the world. Are you going to keep living a life where you're doing the things you love every day? Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Why would you go and do something else? Why would you go and get an office nine to five job, for example, when you can travel the world with your friends playing a sport you love and make your friends and family proud? And it was sort of like a no brainer. And although it was probably one of the worst experiences in my life, the Olympics, um, well, that period of what I called failure at the time, it changed me and it definitely changed my motivation. I was no longer playing hockey to win an Olympic gold medal or to win medals, I was playing it because day to day, I love doing it. Day to day, I love being with my team and I love playing the sport. And I actually found that after that period, I I tend to beat myself up a lot less now. I used to really give myself a hard time. There wouldn't be many days where I'd walk off the training field with a smile on my face. I'd always be hung up on a mistake I made. But now I bounce back so much quicker. And I feel like in terms of my development, that's so much better because I can take that loss and I can take that knockback. But I'm much quicker to get into, a okay, what did I do wrong? Okay, how can I get better? Keep smiling because it's not the end of the world. So yeah, I've, I, hopefully I've taken a positive mindset out of what was a pretty bad situation. Yeah, so it's almost, you know, it kind of helped develop your, your athlete mindset. Yeah, I did think I just became a bit more mature. I felt like I aged sort of 10 years over that two-week Olympic period. I felt things that I'd not felt before at an intensity level that I had never been close to before. And that that sort of really forced me to sort of soul search and be a little bit more like, why are you doing this? What are your drivers? Are you mentally in the right place to one, be your best, but two, live a happy life? And um, it changed me, I feel like, for the better, yeah. It's almost like kind of having having like that first love, right? And your heart gets broken. Being like, dang, can I bounce back in love again? You know? Just- yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And you might not love the same, and it might not feel the same because of what you've experienced. But yeah, you can love again, and you yeah. can. Yeah, well, put it right there. So, what's it like to represent your, you know, the, the represent Great Britain? You know the to have that national team on your back, you know, on your, on, on your front, you know, like what's that like just to say, I, I represent my country. Oh, I mean, it's amazing. Pride, pure, pure pride. And um, it's hard to explain it more than that, but it is something that will make you go further than you thought you could. 
and play it harder than you thought you could because you really do feel like there is a national investment in it. Mm-hmm. You do feel like you are out there and you are carrying the country with you and it makes the losses way worse. Yeah. But it makes it makes the wins way, way better. The fact that you can share it with a country is just absolutely amazing. And you're standing out there trying to be the best you can be, your best self. And um, you know that you've got the sort of encouragement of a country behind you. It's, yeah, it's pride. It's amazing. Still going on that. So when the Olympic being postponed to next year, right? So how does this, how do you take that into how you approach, you know, all right, I got one more year to get ready. Or how do you approach that whole, to your mindset with training and everything? Yeah, it's, it's very difficult because we were, I mean, like everyone hoping to go to the Olympics in, in the final build-up. So in terms of training programs, we're, we're getting towards that peak. We're working our way up to that, that um, sort of the top of the mountain. And now that's, that's gone and that's completely. And we're, we're almost back to, we're not back to square one, but from a training point of view and a where you need to peak point of view, it's a bit like, okay, calm down. We need to relax. We need to not go out and do a hundred sprints. We need to do more long distance running. Mm-hmm. We don't need to lift really, really heavy. We need to lift lower weight, more reps, that type of thing. But also that from a mentality as well. It's a resetting my mind. It's a, okay, I'm not going super, super intense in terms of analysis, in terms of team analysis, in terms of my game. I'm taking a step back and being like, okay, now I've got another year and a few months to reset how am I going to use this how am I going to use this better than other countries would or other players would it's tough I'm not going to lie it's been really tough for a lot of my teammates a lot of us one of the main reasons is actually you actually put a lot of plans in place after the Olympics a lot of athletes retire a lot of athletes go on to something different there are a lot of plans laid down now that won't happen so I think some of the guys are really struggling with that. Myself, there are some silver linings. Me and my partner are expecting a baby. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, in early June. And um, I was very, very anxious about potentially the baby being born. And then where it would have been four or five weeks later, I'd have had to go off to the Olympics and be away for a significant amount of time. And now I get to see the sort of the first few months uninterrupted of my child's life. So that's amazing. And that's sort of a positive that I'm taking out of it. And then, yeah, it's, it's another year doing what I love in the build up to the greatest sports competition on the planet. Don't get me wrong. I would love to do it this summer, but it's not gone away. The Olympics is an incredibly tough road. This particular road just become a bit longer. Um, that's all. If it was an easy road, then everyone would do it. Exactly. That's cool, though, man. Like, have your first kid, you know, and just be like, get the hockey go out. Be like, hey, yeah. got him young. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. We ran around the garden with her. Well, yeah. probably not that early on. But, yeah, and, and that was another thing. A little bit like the Olympics, like shortly becoming a father's given me perspective. And it's, am I going to? sit in my house like we all are because we're all locked up at the moment and mope about not going to the olympics this summer or am i going to take a little bit perspective and be like i'm becoming a father wow and the olympics is still there okay wow and i've got a year to prepare for it and there's there's so much good in it and there's so much good there that i'm gonna try and do my best to focus on the good definitely and so, so i got two more questions for you now i'll let you enjoy the rest of your day my man 
So you're right now you're at home, you know, you're everyone right now is at home and, and, and like there's no gym access, right? So how are you doing your, your home workouts? Yeah, it's tough, but I suppose at the moment we've got a nursery with no furniture in it <laughs> for the baby. So that is my workout room. We are in a flat with a very, very tiny garden. It's a small courtyard garden. You can't really do anything in it. And at the moment, at the moment here, we're allowed to go out for one run a day. So yeah, I think what's been working for me so far is routine. So I get up in the morning and I go for my my run based workout, which sort of varies depending on what my S and C coaches has asked me to do. It might be intervals, it might be longer, but I go and get that done earlier, and I'll come back and I'll eat, and then I've managed to get hold of as much sort of equipment as possible, if you like. But I'm doing workouts with like bands, stretchy bands. I've been loading books and stuff into a backpack and using that as weight to do lunges and stuff. Yeah, just stuff like that. And there's, I mean, there's an unbelievable resource of home fitness workouts out there for everyone to use. You'd be surprised how many gains you can make just at home with very, very limited equipment. So, I mean, I feel like I'm going to come out of this, this pandemic, this lockdown, hopefully fit. I definitely won't be hockey sharp, but there's absolutely no reason why I can't stay fit and actually improve on a lot of areas that I'm a little bit weak in. For example, I've always had a slightly dodgy hamstring. So at the moment, I'm just hammering that hamstring. I'm going to make that. I'm going to make that hamstring bulletproof, so that when I come back, that um, I've become a little bit stronger and I've got a little bit better in that area. I was thinking too, like this kind of this situation that we're all kind of in across the world. It kind of levels the playing field for athletes because right now there's no talent required. Yeah. Well, I mean, the uh, the only the only if you can call it a talent, I would say that is required is who's going to do it who's going to get off their sofa who's going to turn off netflix and who's going to do that home workout and who's going to do it every day and who's going to maybe go to two a days and who's going to eat healthily when you're stuck at home and easter's around the corner and that's big chocolate season Mm -hmm. Um, it's easy to have a glass of wine or a beer on the sofa and it's i would say that sort of perseverance and work ethic that can be a talent as well and I think that will be the difference in terms of the sort of successful and unsuccessful athletes over this period yeah. is who's going to tick those boxes. Because, yeah, like you say, it levels people and the gains are easy to make in terms of you work out at home and you eat well. But who's going to do it and who's going to do it the best? Who's going to do it? So if you're listening, are you going to do it? You know, like are you going to turn Netflix off a little bit from what, you know, and do a few lunges? Yeah, exactly. And I'd like I say, I think the routine helps me. I get a lot out of the way in the middle, sort of in the morning, and then uh, and then I relax, and then I put my Netflix on. Boom, progression. Yeah. So, so, so Henry, so the last question for you, man. So this has been a great conversation, Jed. I think people get a lot of value from what you're saying, just how you approach your work ethic, you know. And I think that's that's fire. So for you, so where are you at social media wise? Do you have any websites we can kind of link out right now? Yeah, I'd say I'm most active on Instagram. So yeah, hit me up on Instagram. I'm Henry Weir underscore. And um, yeah, I, I put some home workouts on there. So you'll see me in the in the nursery, in the baby's room. Also, I, I'm doing a lot of home projects at the moment because I think you've got to stay sharp. Try and, I'm trying to minimize my screen time because I'm sat there on my phone all day or on my laptop all day. But yeah, projects in the, in the sort of courtyard garden we've got or sort of building projects. But yeah, and uh, reach out to me if you have any questions um, because... Like I said, we're all sitting around and I need something to do. Definitely, man. Henry, man, this has been great. Like, 
I think I'm gonna do this week. I'm like I'm gonna watch like a hockey game now. I'm gonna go like just kind of just try to analyze, kind of watch you play, and kind of see if I can see if you're like how you're trying to maneuver this game. So that'll be yeah, yeah. So. It's hyper tactical. I think a lot of people who don't know hockey when they see it for the first time, especially live, but also there's a lot of good coverage now um, on TV. But they are surprised about how fast it is and how tactical it is. Definitely, man. Well, Henry, man, this has been a pleasure, man. Great to kind of learn your story and your journey and. We'll be in touch soon, man. You guys, yeah, thanks you so got, much. Stay safe out there. And you, stay healthy. <laughs> Thank you. Yo, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nine Point Started With A Dream podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please comment, share, leave a review. We would love to hear your thoughts. You can find more athlete-driven content at ninepoint.com. Till the next episode, you're only one opportunity away. Peace.